aren't you just a sight for sore eyes? Of all the movie and TV joints in all the towns and all the world, you walked into mine. How lovely. Come, sit. Let me pour you a drink before we begin the showing. You know, I think that this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Cheers. Here's looking at you, Phil. Well, hello there. How are we? Welcome back to Here's Looking at You Film, a podcast for the vintage cinephile with modern sensibilities. My name is Nikki, and we are back for day two of our Diva Duel Showdown. Now, yesterday, of course, or in the previous episode, um, we covered uh, Betty Davis's All About Eve and uh, her film about um, the aging woman and feeling a need to maintain that or regain that femininity after uh, finding your way in the workforce and also being worried about uh, the younger generation of women sort of replacing you. Um, so very interesting film we talked about yesterday, but today we are going to talk about, um, I guess you would call her arch nemesis. I don't even know. Her, um, her counterpart in this, uh, beef, this drama, if you will, Joan Crawford. Um, and we're going to talk about one of her most popular films and the one that she won, uh, her Academy Award for, uh, 1945's American Film Noir, directed by Michael Curtis. Um, this would be Mildred Pierce. So this, of course, as I said, was a 1945 American film noir directed by Michael Curtis, who also directed Casablanca. So we've already talked about some of his work. Um, And this film is very interesting because it has a weird sort of parallel to Joan Crawford's life. Um, We'll talk about it after the film, but it's very interesting that this film has to do with... um, a woman and her daughter and their relationship. And if you are familiar with Mommy Dearest, you will probably know that Joan Crawford had a very um, interesting relationship with her adopted daughter. Um, There's not really clarity on how much of it's true and how much of it isn't, but um, there was uh, supposedly some cruelty that happened there. And in juxtaposition, we will talk about how Mildred Pierce treats her daughter and how it's almost unreal. It's one of the strangest, uh, most unbelievable parts of the film, but also um, we know that people do strange things for love. So this film is based on a 1941 novel by James and M. Cain, and the novel actually takes a different turn Um, There's a couple of uh, different characters that are switched out, and the ending is a little bit different, and we'll also talk about why that ending is different as well. Uh, But as you will remember, there are certain things that have to be, um, certain conditions that have to be met because of the Hollywood code um, that we talked about in an earlier episode. So um, you may be able to guess what maybe some of the differences are now, but we will definitely talk about them after the film. Also mentioned in the last episode, uh, one of the reasons that this film is so interesting and uh, a small point of controversy is because this was the first film 
um, that Joan Crawford filmed after moving from the MGM Studios to Warner Brothers. And this was also a role that was originally offered to Betty Davis, but she turned it down and did not want it. And Joan Crawford practically begged for it. And they actually didn't want to give her this role until they saw her um, screen test for it. Um, one thing that was often said about Joan Crawford was that she didn't know how to change her emotions um, very quickly. Um, so she would have to go through this like Jekyll and Hyde sort of thing to switch the way that she was feeling. So there were some times when they would have to purposefully cut the camera away from her and come back to her face having changed because her feelings have changed because she doesn't really know how to change her feelings on a whim the way that people do. Um, a lot of what they say Joan Crawford does is very robotic um, and she's very meticulous. Um, if you've ever seen Mommy Dearest, one of the things that they say is she's very clean. Um, she scrubs in hot water. Um, dunks her face in cold water to close her pores. Um, if you look at her, you can tell that her she's very meticulous about the way her face sits. Everything is very pointed. Um, so one thing that she was not good at was faking feelings. She was very good at speaking. She was very good at emoting, and she's a beautiful woman. But as Betty Davis once said, um, not to uh, put down Joan Crawford, but as Betty Davis once said, Betty is an actress and Joan is a star. And there can be a difference sometimes. Um, and this is one of those occasions. However, in this film, she shines. Um, her quiet uh, sensibility and personality almost like lends to this character. If she was too loud, too boisterous, too all over the place, it would never be believable. Um, the sort of juxtaposition that she has between being a businesswoman and being a woman. Um, this was, uh, this film was set um, between 1939 to like 1942, 1943. And women were still all about being women, being homemakers, being in the home, having husbands that worked and made money. And they stayed home and took care of the children, took care of the house and were generally beautiful. So we'll get into talking about more of this as we get into the film, but this plays a large role in why um, Joan Crawford actually ended up being a really good choice for this role. And I'm not really sure if Betty Davis would have been that great. Um, but we never will know, of course, because Joan Crawford won the Academy Award for this role. So we're going to get into talking about the cast and then we will get into talking about the film. So, of course, we have Joan Crawford playing Mildred Pierce Berrigan. Um, we have Jack Carson playing Wally Fay, Zachary Scott as Monty Berrigan, Eve Arden as Ida Corwin, Anne Blythe as Vita Pierce Forrester, Bruce Bennett as Albert Burt Pierce. Um, we refer to him as Bert, of course. Butterfly McQueen as Lottie. And that is one of my favorite actresses. We will, when we get into talking about Gone with the Wind, we're going to talk about Butterfly McQueen. That's my boo. Um, but we have Lee Patrick as Mrs. Maggie Biederhoff. Um, Vita Ann Borg as Miriam Ellis, um, Joanne Marlowe as Kay Pierce, who we love, um, 
And uh, we have like a couple of other small actors playing policemen, lawyers, inspectors, things like that. Um, so there are a couple of changes uh, to the novel. So Ida in the novel is basically just like her boss. Um, and she actually has another best friend in the novel um, that they kind of just took out and just made her boss end up being her best friend. But all of the other characters are pretty recognizable. They change some names, things like that. But generally, um, we'll talk about the changes to the novel at the end. So as we did yesterday, um, I have seen this film like a bunch of times. So I'm just going to go off the top of my head and kind of give you a rundown of the film as I remember it. If I get anything wrong, I sincerely apologize. But um, I'm pretty sure I will get most of it correct because this film is a fun little roller coaster. It's sort of like a hard-boiled detective film noir, um, but uh, we'll, of course, we'll get into it later. So um, now that we have our players, let's press play. So this film, much like All About Eve, um, is all black and white. Um, the film starts... Um, with our title screen and uh, then the first shot we get is uh, a couple gunshots go off and we see a man going down um, he appears to be in a living room of some sort and as he hits the ground he says Mildred and we see Mildred a woman uh, in a fur coat lavish looking running back outside to get into a vehicle and driving away um, the next scene, we see Mildred walking down close to a pier. Um, she stands, looks over at the water. And of course, you know how this thing goes. She looks over at the water. She's looking down at it and she's about to jump in. Um, just as she's about to jump, a policeman comes over and he says, um, what you doing? And she was like, uh, and he said, it looks like you were thinking about going for a swim. See, but that's not fair, though, because if you decide to go for a swim, then I got to jump in after you. And that's not fair to me. So, like, maybe just go home and don't go for a swim. Like, <laughs> this is the funniest, like, like, don't hurt yourself. It was like, you should be thinking about me. Like, I, you, this is rude that you were about to jump in. You know I'm going to have to come in after you. That's rude. So <laughs> she walks off. She goes walking again and it's sort of like it's raining and she's just kind of walking around. And as she walks, um, a guy sees her walking and knocks on the window from the inside of a restaurant. She looks over, she acknowledges him and he calls her over and asks her to come have a drink with him. Come hang out, you know. Now, this is Wally Faye. Wally Faye been trying to get with her for years and years and years and we're going to talk about it. But. He's still steady trying to get with her. So he's trying to get with her, and she like, hey, why don't you come back to the beach house with me? You know what I'm saying? Just chill. So he like, okay, okay. So they go back to the beach house. They start kicking it or whatever, and he's trying to get all up in her face because he's been trying to get in her face forever. And at one point, he get right up on her, and he's trying to give her a kiss, and she, like, knock the drink out his hand. And he like, what was that? And she like, oh, I got mm, to go change clothes. My bad. So... She goes to the bedroom um, to go change her dress. And he's trying to talk to her through the door. Eventually, he she's not talking back. So he goes and knocks on it, realizes she's not answering. He's trying to get in that bed. He can't get in. 
she done ran out the back and left. So now Wally's trying to figure out how to get out of this house. And by the way, the whole time they in this house, old boy who got shot at the beginning, he in the other room, just laying dead on the floor. So now she done left. Wally trying to get out. He ended up punching out the window to leave. The police end up seeing him. And he like, yo, um, I was just trying to get out of this house. But it's a dead body in that bed. And they like, a okay. Okay. So first of all, you're going to have to come to the police station. Because why is there a dead body in there? And why Why did we just see you coming up out of there? And he was like, look, I'm going to just explain the whole story to you. Right. So then the next scene, right, after, you know, he... He, they wrapping up his arm because he done punched out this window. They go to Mildred's house and they like, Mildred, your husband dead. So this was her husband, Monty Berrigan. So Vita, Mildred's daughter's like, oh my God, what's going on? And Mildred like, baby, just go to bed. Um, I'm just, we gonna go talk to these people and figure out what's going on. And Vita's like, oh my God, mom, it's crazy. So they go to the police station. And they like, Mildred, you know who did this? And she like, no. So they, you know, they done brought Wally in there or whatever. But now they also like, we brought somebody else in here. Her ex-husband, Bert. And she like, no, Bert did not do this. He is too nice to do this. Like, I'm telling you, he didn't do this. And they was like, oh, you know he ain't do it? Like, who did it? And she was like, I just know Bert didn't. Bert done confessed to the crime. And they like, well, you know, he already confessed. So we know what's up. So now they like, well, you got to tell us what you know then. So now she goes back to the beginning and she starts explaining her whole life story, which is crazy for like you to be sitting in a police station and they trying to figure out this murder. And this girl goes back in time to literally her first marriage to explain everything. <laughs> but I mean, I guess that's the movie. Like you wouldn't have a movie if you didn't have this. But just the thought of this woman literally sitting in this police station and telling her whole life story so that we can get to, you know, who committed this crime is like a really funny thought to me. <laughs> but so we flash back and she's explaining her relationship with Bert. So Mildred married Bert when she was 17 and clearly didn't really know what love was. They was married for all these years. Now they got two daughters, a 16-year-old named Vita and a 10-year-old named Kay. Now Vita um, is kind of a jerk. Kay is like a tomboy, really sweet. Um, Mildred tries to give Vita everything that she wants. It's like swooning over this little girl. And also, Kay is like a tomboy, but she enrolls Kay in these dance classes and wants her to be like this like really feminine girl, you know, and isn't even giving her a chance to like hit puberty and figure her life out. Like she's 10 years old, not letting her have like the hobbies she wants, but making her have these girly hobbies. Vita's already like super girly, but she's also super bratty and thinks that she should get everything that she wants. Bert isn't having that, but also Bert doesn't have a job. Mildred like makes pies for the neighbors and takes on like small jobs to keep their bills paid. Bert does not have a job, has supposedly been trying to find a job, but um, when he doesn't have a job, he has time to go hang with Mrs. Biederhoff, Maggie Biederhoff down the street. He said he just playing bridge, but we all know what's up. And they're in the middle of arguing because um, Mildred got a new dress for Vita. 
And they arguing because she keeps doing all this stuff for Vita and Bert don't like it. And the, Mildred's basically like, our kids are always going to come before you or me. I just want you to know that. Like, I'm going to make sure that our kids have everything. Meanwhile, they arguing. Maggie Biederhoff calls the house. And he's like, I told you don't call here. I will talk to you later. And she was like, well, I just wanted you weren't at work. You didn't answer the phone at work. And she was like, um, or you ain't answer the phone at the office. And he was like, well, I'm not. Bye. So he's looking for this other job. Um, Mildred is arguing with him about not having a good job or not making enough money for them. So basically between that, um, Mildred being obsessed with her kids and uh, Bert taking all this time with Mrs. Biederhoff, they decide to separate. It's real sad because you can tell they still kind of love each other, especially because they've been together for all that time and have two kids together. But Bert got to go. So the kids are on their way home and they see their dad leaving. He was like, don't tell him I said goodbye because he's trying to put on his front like he's just leaving for a little bit and he's going to come back. And um, he's trying to think of something that, to tell them. And Mildred was like, look, I got it, whatever. So the kids come home and Vita's like, oh, I learned a new piano piece. So she starts playing, playing her piece. And she was like, well, I saw dad leaving with bags. And she was like, oh, well, yeah, he's, he's leaving. He's not going to come back. And Vita straight up like, oh, is he coming back? Is he going to live with Mrs. Biederhoff? And Mildred was like, no, that's not the issue. And she was like, because listen, if that's the issue, I want you to know I completely side with you because that lady is trash. And Mildred like, no, we was arguing about something else. As a matter of fact, one of the things we was arguing about was your new dress. So the kids go run upstairs to go look at Vita's new dress. And Mildred is like, okay, great. She goes upstairs because she wants to like see her daughter's reaction. Meanwhile, Vita is like, this dress is ugly. Like, it's got ruffles. It's, the material is nasty. And she was like, if you buy something, you might as well buy the best. This dress is trash. I would never be caught dead in this dress. Now, her, Mildred isn't in the room, but she hears this from the steps. And Vita is going in talking about how ugly this dress is. And Mildred has spent, like, her last little coins on this dress. They ain't got no money. So, Mildred, now, she done gone and done the finances. She was like, I know I I know I ain't got no money, so now I gotta go get a job. Now, now you know, now women just be working, you know, and we be making money. We be doing it for ourselves. Clearly, me, I'm you know I'm not making money, but you know I do okay for myself. I live for myself. I take care of myself. I live in Brooklyn, which is not a cheap place to live, but back in the bay 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 days, and women having jobs was gross. And especially having a job, like if you had a job, it was like, okay, you should have a job as a secretary or someplace where you sit in an office, you look cute, you help out or whatever, you you type, you take dictation, whatever. Working in a restaurant, being a waitress, not it. So Mildred is going out looking for jobs, can't find no job. She ends up at a restaurant and she sees that it's like short staffed. She's like, can I get a job? They, She ain't never worked as a waitress in her life, but they decide to give her a job. And she ends up getting really good at it now she going out and working every day and she's making pies for the restaurant at her house but she ain't told her kids that she's a waitress because apparently that ain't good now they got a homegirl or a lottie who is like um mildred's assistant and that's um butterfly mcqueen she's a black woman we don't really have voice like this <laughs> so lottie been coming over helping her with these pies and one day um, she come home and Lottie got on her work uniform. 
And she was like, why you got on my work uniform? And Lottie was like, Vita made me put it on. She said she found it and it must be mine. So she told me to put it on so I could answer the door and like work in it. So Mildred is like pissed. She goes in the living room. Um, Kay was in there singing with some makeup smeared all over her face. So Lottie goes upstairs to help Kay wash this makeup off her little face. And she like, Vita, why does Lottie have that dress on? And Vita was like, um, because I was looking for a handkerchief in your closet. She was like, why were you looking for one of your handkerchiefs in my closet? Why were you digging around in my closet? She was like, look, mom, if you bought the dress for Lottie, then I don't see why she shouldn't wear it um, because I can't see any other reason that she would have the dress. Mildred's like, you know for a fact what I do. You've been snooping around trying to figure out where I've been working this whole time and now you know. And she was like, I know what, mom? I know what? And she was like, you know I'm a waitress. I need to make money for this house. And she was like, oh, see, I, I don't like that. You out here being a waitress, like that's not becoming for my mom. Like you actually out here working for the people, taking tips. That's nasty. And Mildred is like, I literally like work as hard as I can for you to make you some money. And she was like, look, and Vita was like, I'm never going to be like you, mom. I don't look, this is gross. I don't like this house. I don't like living in this house. Um, this is nasty. Um, you trash, uh, basically was like, yo, your mama's trash, your daddy's trash. And now you trash and you want me to grow up and think I'm trash too. And I'm not. Um, and so of course her mama slapped her in the face. But then she immediately apologized and she was like, look, I'm so sorry I did that. Like, I'm just frustrated. I'm trying to figure my life out right now. I'm finna open a business. And she was like, oh, so we finna have money? Vita was like, we finna have money? And she was like, um, you know, some people with businesses do get money, We, but I'm gonna figure out how to do it. So now Mildred is like, I know now she's a good waitress. And she was like, I know the only th choice I do have is to open a restaurant and try to make this money for my kids because like... There's no other way. I can't just keep being a waitress and having my child like feel like she can't respect me and respect what I do. I forgot to mention earlier that after Bert left, um, Wally, the dude from the beginning of the movie who punched out, Wally came by looking for Bert. And she was like, oh, well, if you're looking for him long term, you're not going to find him because um, he's not here. Soon as Wally heard that Bert was gone, he started immediately putting the moves on Mildred. And she like, look, you you tripping like you 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 doing too much right now and he's he literally put he like look you know i like you you know i've been into you for a minute mildred you know i always got a soft spot for you girl like you need anything you ain't got no man in this house you got two kids in the house you need somebody like me in the house and she like child get out my face and he like look she was like, she was like, look, I'm gonna keep trying. And she was like, once a week, probably. And he was like, yeah, probably twice a week though. And so <laughs> after that, um, when she was putting the kids to bed, Vita was like, I heard when you was talking to Wally, why don't you marry Wally? And she was like, well, I don't love Wally. And she was like, so like he got money. And she, and um, Mildred was like, you would sell your mom out for a nicer house and she was like no that's not it like i totally love you mama and i want you to be happy but also it's just stuff that i that that we need that we don't have and i think like somebody else could help us get those things so clearly vita is obsessed with money she's obsessed with status and she don't like being broke and her mama is trying the best that she can. So now her mama's like, I got to open this restaurant because I got to make sure that my kids got the best. So here she goes 
she to Wally and says, hey, Wally, I need help figuring out how to open a restaurant. And he was like, all right, well, we just got to find a spot that somebody willing to sell for the cheapy cheap. And then we're going to figure out how to get in that bit. So she looks in the paper. They look in the paper and they see that this Berrigan estate is selling this building for like cheapy cheap. And they already foreclosing on other buildings. So he's like, I think we can get this building for a low cost. And I might even be able to get it to you for the free. And you can just pay them back. So they ride over to, to talk to the Berrigans. And they meet Monty. Monty's like, he's like a, a, like a socialite man, like a playboy. Um, He owns the building that Mildred's trying to purchase. And... Wally's like, I right, look, we, you should just give her the building and then she'll pay you back once she gets the restaurant going. Monty's like, no. She's like, please, I got all this paperwork that says I can do it. I know I can do it. Monty's like, okay. So <laughs> now she's um working on this restaurant and you can tell she kind of think Monty's cute. And you can tell from the jump, Monty is looking at her like, okay, you cute girl. But Wally's still all up on Mildred, too. So he trying to keep this all business for everybody because that's what we doing is business. But Monty and Mildred are already starting to look at each other. And um, Monty picks her up one day from work. Um, she's working on the restaurant, getting everything prepared. And he's like, you should take a minute. You should take a break. We can go to my beach house and look at my ocean. And so they go. They at the beach house, you know, they take a little swim, end up in the house. He talking about how fast his heart beating and she talking about how she thought it was her heart, all this. And, you know, they had a little moment. It's beautiful. So, you know, Monty and um, Mildred are doing a little thing now. They're not official, you know what I'm saying? But they doing a little thing. Monty drops Mildred back off at home later that night. She gets home. Now, Bert, that weekend, the reason that Mildred was able to go out to the beach house was because Bert had took the kids to um, to Arrowhead, this little a lake, for the weekend. She gets back home. Bert's at the house. He's like, yeah, we had to come back. Kay's sick. She got pneumonia. Where's Kay? Kay is at Mrs. Biederhoff's house. So they go to Mrs. Biederhoff's house and Kay is in this little encasement. They're trying to give her oxygen, all that stuff. Baby girl Kay does not make it. So Mildred, his her heart is broken. And you know, she was already obsessed with her kids. And now she done lost one of her babies. <sighs> so now she is like doubly like, I got to get this money. I got to take care of Vita. I got to make sure she stays straight. So, um... She ends up throwing herself into this restaurant now because, like, she's just, she's grieving. But she got to make this money so she can make sure that Vita stays by her side. Um, her former supervisor at the restaurant that helped her get hired now is working for her. Um, and so the restaurant is taking off money, just money, money, money. Um, so she starts making enough money that she's able to buy that property straight out and she's able to buy a couple of other properties in socal so now she has a chain of these mildred restaurants 
Now, on the opening day for her restaurant, she um, Vita ends up meeting Monty Berrigan and has seen him in all of like the little uh, the the newspapers being a socialite. And, you know, Vita has always dreamed of being a socialite. She just want to have money and go spend it. Um, so Monty lives the life that she has literally been dreaming of. This is like. You know, but she doesn't know that her mama is dealing with Monty. She just know that Monty like helped to fund this restaurant. So she knows that he's sort of related to the situation somehow. But she's she is enamored with this boy. And Monty is obviously very much in love with Mildred. So um, they are hanging out. Um, They're supposedly, quote unquote, friends. But, you know, friends, basically friends with benefits. And he ends up asking Mildred for some money one time or he says he needs some money. Mildred offers it to him and she says, you know, as long as we're friends, you know, I'm happy to give you money. And he was ashamed to take it that first time. But after that first time, child, he was happy to take that money. So they've been hanging out. Um, and Mildred, he is basically bleeding money from Mildred, buying all these nice things. And she is kind of getting sick of it. But Wally is in her face about it and is like, you bleed money out on this man. And she's like, well, what if I'm in love with him? So now Wally's like, oh, okay, so I see where we at. I'm good. I right, do whatever you want. So she leaves. He leaves. Um, Ida ends up being like, are you really in love with him? And she was like, I thought I was, but I, I really don't think I am. Like, I just wanted to get Wally on my face. So um, Monty comes in. It's Vita's birthday. They've gotten a car for Vita. Now, Mildred funded the car. But Monty picked out the car. So when Vita comes in, first of all, she's smoking. Her mama asked when she started smoking. And she said, well, Monty bought her a pipe and she needed to, like, use it. So she started smoking. Okay. Well, her mama done bought her a car for her birthday. So she's super excited. She thanks her mom. But Monty's like, well, I helped her pick it out. And Vita's like, oh, my God, Monty, this is so sweet. This is so great. And he was like, well, let's go for a drive. Mildred's like, Monty, can I talk to you for a second? So, um, Vita leaves in her brand new car and she, uh, Mildred's like, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to stay away from Vita because she's getting really comfortable in the lifestyle that you live. And we don't necessarily live that lifestyle. And Monty was like, baby, um, Vita is not going to work in a restaurant. She's not going to take tips. And Mildred was like, are you really sick? You've always had a problem with me working in restaurants. Well, that's how I make my money. And he was like, well, uh, I mean, I don't get down with cooks. You know, I don't get down with waitresses. And he, she was like, well, you ain't never had a problem getting down with my money. And he was like, I mean, yeah. And she was like, yeah. And she was like, well, I just don't like the smell of grease. And she was like, well, you ain't never had a problem taking a $50 bill that smell like grease. And he was like, cool it. She was like, you know what? Look, I'm good off this. We good off this. You can dip. Stay away from Vita. Stay away from our house. And you can go ahead. And by the way, let me just go ahead and pay you some money. Because I know you've been chilling and taking Vita out and doing all this nice shit. So let me give you some money back. And so she writes him a check. She was like, I hope that's enough. And he was like, I ain't, I ain't never know how it felt to take a tip before. She was like, well, now you do. He dips. Um, and they're good. Now, Vita goes, goes ahead and marries this dude, Ted. This dude... That she, they got money. They family got money. So she marries Ted. Um, her mama don't know. Um, Mildred gets a visitor to the house. It's Ted's mom. And Ted's mom is like, hey, 
your daughter trying to marry my son and um that's not gonna happen he don't like her like that and Mildred was like well why would my daughter want to marry your son if he don't like her and she was like well look I'm just telling you they're not gonna get married well they're already married they got married on Vita's birthday but now Vita's like I'm not happy I didn't want to marry him I don't like him you're right. I do not like him. And I think we should get a divorce. Well, Mildred is super excited because she don't like this lady that came to her house and basically told her her daughter ain't good enough for her. So she's happy that they that this is happening now. Well, Wally gets out there because he's like basically they businessman, they lawyer, that they're go-between. And he's like, um, all right, well, we just want to dissolve this marriage. Um, and also we want ten thousand dollars. And they were like, $10,000, like, they ain't even been married for a couple months. What are we going to give you $10,000 for? And um, Wally was like, oh, well, to take care of the baby. And she was like, they were like, uh, excuse me? And she was like, yeah, um, I'm pregnant. Um, So the mama was like, I'm not giving them $10,000. And Wally said, um, yeah, yes, you are. Ain't they giving us $10,000? And their lawyer was like, yeah, we giving them $10,000. So they leave. Afterwards, Mildred was like, oh, my God, I'm going to make sure you're taken care of, Vita. Like, I'm going to make sure you're okay, like, whatever you want to do. And she was like, oh, I think we're going to be fine. Like, I just felt like I was pregnant. I think I'm okay now. And she was like, Vita, you not really pregnant? And she was like, I felt like I was, but I'm not. Thanks. She was like, Vita, you really, you, you are really obsessed with money. Like, you really all out to get this money. She was like, as a matter of fact, yes, I am. And the reason that I wanted that $10,000 was so I could move out this house. Because this house is trash. You're trash. You don't know how to live. I, I require a lavish life that you are just not able to provide for me, mom. So I'm going to go ahead and dip and get my own situation going on. And um, I'm going to be good to go. So she get to arguing with... Mildred. Mildred was like, give me that check. Takes the check, tears it up. Vita slaps her in the face. Mildred was like, get out of my house. So Vita left. Mildred dips, leaves town for a minute, comes back, and she's asking. First thing she asks Ida is, have you seen Vita? Have you talked to Vita? She's like, nah, man, I don't know what's going on with that girl. You need to forget about her too, because she's trash. So he, she ends up getting a call from Bert. Now, Bert got a job. Bert doing well. You know what I'm saying? He doing his little thug thizzle. So, he come back. He like, Mildred, let me take you to dinner. So, he comes, takes Mildred to this little nightclub. Mildred's like, why did you bring me to this club? And he was like, I mean, I thought it would be nice. I don't know. I just, I was just trying to do a little something. So, the um, nightclub performance starts. And guess who is the nightclub singer is? Vita. She up there singing for coins, singing for change. And this is Wally's nightclub. So Wally then hired Vita to wear this little skimpy outfit and dance around on stage and sing a little song. She do a good job, but this is one of those other jobs that girls don't want to admit that they have, being a nightclub singer. It's basically like working at a strip club back in the day. It was like almost the equivalent. So she goes in the back after her performance is over and she tried to be like Vita. Please come back to the house. And Vita like, I don't want to come back to the house. You kick me out. You don't get to kick me out and then tell me to come back. I'm free. I got my own situation going on here. This ain't the best job, but it's not the worst place either. And I'm happy to be out of that house. I don't want to live in Scottsdale no more. So I'm good. And she was like, you don't live the kind of lifestyle that I want to live. Monty lives the kind of lifestyle. Monty taught me how to live the life I want to live. And you don't do that. 
And her mama was like, Mildred was like, look, if I can get you the kind of life that Monty lives, would you come back home? And she was like, well, you can't do that, can you? So I'm around if you want to see me. Bye. Thanks. Mildred leaves. She goes to see Monty. She's walking around his dilapidated mansion. It is going to pieces. He still ain't got no money. And she was like, look, Monty, ask me to marry you. And he was like, I ain't got no money. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't have, you have money. I don't. There's no way that I'm going to marry you. If I had a share of your business, I might think about it. So Mel just like, oh, okay, so how much, how much do I need to buy your pride for in my business? Buddy says he wants a third. Mildred does it. So now Monty has a third of her business just so that he can marry her. So they get married. They got this nice house. They get it redecorated. Everything is gorgeous. They've got this like lavish lifestyle now. And um, they at the house one day. Bert stops by. Lottie works as their like official maid now she don't really know how to make quite right yet um she's so sweet but she trying her little bestie best um Bert comes by and he's like hey uh are you really in love with Monty and uh Mildred after fumbling around with an answer she finally is like no and he was like well why would you marry him and she was like look I got my reasons and he was like probably Vita and he she was like well like what so and she was like it's always Vita like I don't know why you did this so she was he was like I brought you a Christmas present oh I brought you a wedding present she looks outside Vita's outside so now Vita comes back she's like oh mom I love you so much I I'm so happy to be back home and Christmas is I it was almost Christmas so I knew I couldn't stay away I'm so happy mother because now she got this nice ass fucking house so now Vita is all excited to be back in the house. Monty is excited to have Vita back in the house. And Bert just kind of like dips. Um, I did forget to mention earlier in the movie when um, uh, Mildred first bought her business, she had to go ask Bert for a divorce. And at first he didn't want to give her the divorce. But then he came back later and was basically like, I see, you know, you're doing really well. I didn't think you could do this by yourself. But now that I see you could do this by yourself, I'm going to go ahead and get you the divorce. Um, so Bert has a little soft, still has a soft spot in his heart for Mildred. And by now, Mrs. Biederhoff is married to somebody else. So he just out here living his life, just doing his bestie best. Um, so he brings Vita to the house and just kind of like dips and leaves them to be their happy family self. Um, but she's paying for all this nice stuff for Vita, of course, and she then gave a third of her business to Monty. Um, Wally owns a third of the business and she owns a third of the business and her little third just ain't cutting it for all this money that she's spending now. So, um, she ends up being, uh, got by the creditors and she has to sell her share of the business to the creditors. Well, while she's there at a birthday party for Vita, while she's out here trying to deal with this, she finds, she ends up finding out from Wally that Wally, that Monty set all of this up 
because now um, Mildred doesn't have a share in the business. Monty is going to sell his share of the business. And now he's basically blackmailing Wally to um, sell his share of the business so that they can have money, you know, because as long as Mildred retains a share in the business, she continues to make money. Um, and they, and Monty was trying to get rid of that for her, um, because he wanted to get that money from her business. So anyway, she calls back to the house. Ida's like, Monty's not here at the house. He left like 20 minutes ago. Well, Mildred knows exactly where Monty went. She goes to the beach house, goes in to find Monty. And he is kissing all up on Vita, girl. So she's like horrified, of course. And Vita and Monty's like, well, of course, I mean, we ain't expect you to be here. Sorry, girl. Vita's like, well, now you know, just FYI, me and Mon Monty's going to divorce you. He finna marry me, and we finna be together, and um, ain't nothing you could do about it. We done, and Mildred was like, well, how long you been messing with him? She was like, oh, since before I even came back to the house. Like, when you came to see me at the club, I was already messing with Monty. I was messing with Monty before that, so it's been a minute. So... Mildred, before she had left the office to come and see Monty, she had put um, Bert's gun in her pocket, which is how Bert's gun got there. Um, and that's why they brought Bert in to be arrested for the crime. Well, she takes Bert's gun out. She points it. Monty comes over and he's like, it ain't worth it, girl. Like, this ain't the way you want to do this. She's like having a little moment. She ends up dropping the gun. She runs out crying. The minute she runs out crying, Bert, I mean, Monty looks at Vita and says, what makes you think I'm finna marry you, girl? And Vita's like, you told me you were gonna marry me. You told me you love me. And he was like, oh, I must've been drunk. There's no way I would marry a brat like you. Like, I have no idea why you would think that. Like, you're crazy. So um, Mildred is out in the car trying to start her car. And all of a sudden, gunshots go off. She comes back in the house. Vita's crying and she said, like, he was laughing at me. He said he wasn't going to marry me. Like, you got to help me get out of here. You got to give me some money to get out of town. Like, I got to, you got to, you can't let me get caught for this. And Mildred was like, I'm, I can't, like, this is your shit. You got to handle this. Mildred gets ready to go call the cops and Vita keeps saying, this is your fault too. You made me like this. Like, please don't call the cops. And she's crying and she keeps saying, like, this is your partially your fault. I wouldn't be like this if it wasn't for you. You did this to me. So eventually Mildred hangs up the phone. And here we are now at the police station. The police now have revealed that they know that Vita did it. Because at first Mildred said she did it. But then they brought Vita in. They revealed this whole thing. Um, Mildred already, I mean, of course, Mildred knew this. Bert knew that Vita had something to do with it. And so Mildred goes over to Vita and, like, starts crying and apologizes and says, like, I'm so sorry this happened. I'm going to try to help you out. And Vita looks at her cold as ice and says, I'll be fine. And just lets them carry her away, like, still. Like, you could tell she has never cared about her mama. Not even as her mama. She The only reason that she ever cried a tear, was happy, was excited, um, was just to get something from her mama. 
And um, now that she can't, her mom literally can't help her because she's being convicted of a crime. She's like, child, I'm I'm not putting on them all. I'm good. So she ends up leaving. And of course, Bert is in, out in the hallway and they walk off together very sweetly. Um, there is a moment that I wanted to bring up too that I forgot. And this is often what happens when I'm telling stories like this. But she... Um, Earlier in the film, when she's having this conversation about like wanting her mom to marry somebody that she doesn't love, and her mom's like, um, "You really sell me out, you know, just for some money," and you know, she's like, "No, I wouldn't do that." Blah blah. blah. She tries to hug her or whatever, and she's like, "I love you, mom. I really do." And um, <laughs> Mildred goes to hug her um, and give her a kiss on the cheek, and she's like, "Okay, I love. Yeah, me too. But let's not get sticky about it." It's so funny, like, her mom is just giving her, like, the affection that children, women, girls, little girls genuinely crave from their mom, and she's like, let's not get sticky about it, <laughs> so she ain't never been here for her mom, but, you know, at the end of the film, Mildred walks off with Bert, and um, the credits pop up, and that's it, so let's talk, um, now, I'm going to talk a little bit about the novel. I hope that this isn't a spoiler for a novel that came out in 1941. But um, we've talked about the Motion Picture Production Code and how it requires that any kinds of um, crime is punished um, at the end of the film. Like, it has to be punished. In the uh, book, Vita, there's no murder. She doesn't kill Monty. She doesn't, none of that happens. Basically, what ends up happening is um, Vita gets caught in bed with Monty um, and Mildred chokes her. Now, at the time, um, Vita is a singer and she has like a pretty valid singing career. Um, and Mildred ends up choking her, messes up her vocal cords, and then she can't sing anymore. Um, she ends up coming and moving back in with her mom and come to find out that whole thing about her not being able to sing was actually a ploy to get her out of her contract with her current um, company and get her into contract with a new company. So once she was able to get out of that contract, then she moved to New York and continued her singing career and also went to marry Monty. Um, and at the end of that, Mildred actually does end up marrying Bert and they just decide to get drunk together um, after Vita and Monty leave together. So um, at the end of the book, I mean, Vita and in the book, Vita is a lot more like calculated. She's a lot smarter. Um, she's got a she's a lot more cunning. Whereas in this book, she's just sort of like um, she gives off like Kardashian vibes like she not, <laughs> you know, um, you've got to get up and work. She does not have the get up and work vibe. She has the very much. I would just like to have money. And just be able to go out, look nice, hang out with people, and have money. Um, how that happens, I really don't care. Someone should fund it for me because I'm not going to work. That's kind of where her mindset is. And it's unfortunate because Mildred is a very smart, capable, focused businesswoman. But she literally loses it. For her daughter. And we hear and we see a lot of stories, real and fictional, where women lose themselves for men and will give everything to a man. And we do 
see that sort of happen in this case, but she's not doing it for Monty. Monty is just the benefactor, the, the person who benefits, but she's actually doing this all for Vita. And it's so sad because we love mothers who dote on their children. We revere parents who actually care about their kids and want to take care of their kids and give their kids the best of everything. But we can also see very early on that Vita is spoiled. Now, um, watching Vita basically treat her mother like, like a servant, but also seeing, you know, knowing that the alternative is for her mother to start treating her like crap. We want that to happen. It's weird in this film because we um, want this mother to sort of like put her daughter in line. Now, um, on the opposite side, we talked about um, Joan Crawford and like mommy dearest. And we can see um, one of the things that Christina says that Joan did was um, she would have these like lavish parties for her, like these beautiful, like just, you know, very rich events. And like, she would have a birthday party for her. She'd get all of these gifts at the birthday party. And then she'd only let her keep one. And she had to donate all of the rest of them because she wanted to teach her to stay in line. Now that seems like the other extreme, allowing a child to see all of these things that they could have access to, especially with her mother having the money that she has and having the access that she has. Having that presented to you and then like very quickly taken away and saying basically it's no fault of your own except for the fact that I want you to be a better person. The opposite is basically happening here where Mildred thinks that the more she gives Vita, the more she will love her and the better she'll become. And it's really sad because when the end comes and we see um, Vita literally blaming her mother and saying, you made me like this. It's your fault that I'm like this. It's unfortunate because we agree with Vita. And like, as much as we don't like this little girl and we want, you know, her to pay for her crimes, we also know Mildred did have a part in making this girl feel like she could literally do no wrong and would always have a home back wherever Mildred was. As many times as she tried to run away, as many times as she showed how much she did not appreciate her mother, she didn't appreciate any anything she tried to do with her for her because it was never enough. Monty didn't have anything. And Vita idolized Monty because Monty was able to do a lot with nothing. With simply his name and his status, he was able to get into rooms, get into parties, get into Mildred's pants. Now, if she Mildred was never enamored with his Playboy status. She got to know him, you know, as a as a man who was falling in love with a girl. But to Vita, having this man who's around, he doesn't seem to work, he doesn't have a job, he's um, inherited money, has pretty much the same personality that Vita has as he's inherited a bunch of money from his parents and then squandered it, which is why he's broke and living off of Mildred. And both Vita and Monty are willing to live off of someone who they have 
some level of disdain for because of their status in the world. Mildred, by all intents and purposes, if she, a woman like Mildred existed right now, a woman who owned a business, um, look at someone like Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos, you know, um, before we found out that that was literally just a, a scheme, almost basically a scheme. Um, she was one of the most revered women in business. We've talked about women leaning in. We talk about girl bosses. Um, we have all manner of women who are CEOs, C, just C-suite in general, owning their own businesses, a millionaire women. I mean, you can look, Vita would have idolized Kim Kardashian, just, or Kylie Jenner. That would have been, Kylie Jenner would have been her jam. To come up in a house where you don't have to get a job, but if you do get a job, it's glamorous jobs. You get to have makeup companies, you get to model, you get to go to parties and look nice, you get to have plastic surgery, and you get to, you know, if you decide to marry a man, if you decide to have kids with him, you can, but you can also break up with him whenever you want. And then you can also get together with him whenever you want. Vita would have been the prototypical Kardashian. Monty as well. But Mildred, being this mother who, knowing that she didn't have anything she grew up without, was so willing to give to her daughter that she didn't even realize the ramifications of what she was doing to her daughter by giving her that much. Now, it's interesting that we have Mildred Pierce, which is this film about this soft woman who over mothers her child, whereas we have the juxtaposition of All About Eve, which is a woman who basically takes a girl in and mothers her um, to a point until she realizes that this woman is getting way too close for comfort. Mildred would have loved the personality of Eve on her daughter, um, but both of these girls were manipulative, were manipulating these women to get what they wanted, using their age and their, quote, inexperience, but also psychologically knowing that that inexperience is what makes people want to take care of you and wants, makes people want to mother you. Um, Mildred was literally Vita's mother and Eve sort of uh, took on Margot as a mother figure um, until it became apparent that what Eve wanted was not actually a mother figure, but wanted a husband. Vita and Eve are both looking for men to fund their dreams. Uh, Eve wants a man who will basically fund her dream to continue to be an actress and grow her career on Broadway and possibly in Hollywood, whereas Vita is looking for a man to literally just fund her life of doing nothing, which back in those days was not abnormal for women to not work and for men to work. But the idea was you settled into a comfortable lifestyle, a, a, a house with a couple of rooms, you have a couple of children, you've got weird wallpaper, some nice, you know, home homemaker dresses, you learn how to make a casserole, and you learn how to bake a pie, and um, you live your life and take care of your kids and love your husband until you die. 
Vita was not interested in that. She was interested in figuring out how to find a man who could fund her life. Um, when she married Ted, she knew she didn't love Ted. She loved Ted's money. And there's this belief from Eve and uh, both Vita that it's okay for you to marry someone that you don't love or to be with someone that you don't love in order to get what you want. And we can see this in the boomer generation and even transferring into like Gen X where these people were willing to stay married to people for years and years and say that it was for the kids, say that it was for, you know, appearances, say it was because money was weird, say splitting up the household would have been weird or they just didn't want to be alone. Our generation of millennials, Gen Z, they will divorce in three weeks, six months, that they don't care if it's not working we're going to try therapy and if therapy doesn't work well then it's done i would rather be alone and trying to figure myself out than be in a situation with somebody and be unhappy and we can see this sort of like transition between generations of be with someone you love because you meet them and you love them and be with someone who can take care of you because it's fiscally sound and now it's be with someone who can take care of you and who is emotionally sound, but also fiscally sound too, because that is important right now as well too, but also the world is burning. So it's all complicated, but the interesting, I just think the most interesting thing about these stories is you have these younger people from a younger generation um, who essentially are the boomers. Um, because what we're looking at from uh, someone Mildred's age or someone uh, Margot's age is we're looking at people from the silent generation, the generation before the boomers. And that generation was a generation that believed in falling in love and getting married at 15 or 16 because you meet the love of your life. Um, boomers believed in stability, um, economic longevity building um, generational wealth. Um, and that was their focus, even beyond love, even beyond building a healthy household, building healthy relationships with their kids. And I think this, both of these films kind of speak to those sensibilities and how that has affected us as newer generations. More than anything though, um, this was really a phenomenal job done by Joan Crawford. Um, I have watched this movie many times, um, and I've actually watched, there was a mini series that came out back in, I believe 2011, uh, where, Ro um, Rose, Kate Winslet, Rose, I'm thinking of, um, Titanic, Kate Winslet played Mildred Pierce, and, uh, her daughter was actually played by, um, Evan Rachel Wood, which is, like, amazing casting, because, they look like they could be mother and daughter. And I, when I originally thought about the 2011 Mildred Pierce, I thought like, oh, Evan Rachel Wood was in it and played M Mildred Pierce. But I had to look it up and realized it was Kate Winslet and Evan Rachel Wood played Vita, which is really great. 
Um, really good miniseries. Both Mildred Pierce, the film and the miniseries are both on HBO Max right now. So if you have those, um, I would definitely watch them. Mildred, the miniseries is um, a lot closer to the book. Um, actually, it, it goes back to the plot of the book. So you would be able to see what happens from the book's perspective, as opposed to the uh, this 1940s version of Mildred Pierce that kind of follows the motion picture production code a little bit more. I cannot say enough. Anne Blythe is amazing as Vita. I, she's so beautiful. She's gorgeous. And I hate her. Just the whole film from the first time she comes in, it gives you like this kind of like, ugh feeling. And the more you see how she treats Mildred, how her her whole personality changes depending on like who's around, what what she's talking about, and like the money situation. It's just so gross, but like she's so good. It's so good. Um, so if you do have access to those, I would definitely recommend watching them. And we will eventually talk about Mommy Dearest one day, so do not worry about that either. But that is going to wrap up our little feud episodes. Um, of course, um, after um, Joan Crawford passed away before Betty Davis, and Betty, of course, did not have you know wonderful things to say about her. But the one thing that she did say was that she felt that Christina's depiction of Joan in Mommy Dearest was a bit extreme because. Joan really did love her daughter a lot. However, when Betty Davis passed, um, her daughter also had some pretty scathing things to say about her as well. So it's possible that maybe Betty and Joan just weren't good at the mothering thing, um, but they were very good at Hollywood acting and generally being starlets that we know and love. So I hope you have enjoyed this little retelling of these two films. Uh, I know I jumped around a little bit because these were literally off the top of my head. So now you know what it feels like to sit at lunch with me. I don't do this all the time. So I know you're probably like, how does anybody ever invite you to lunch? Look, I'm fun. I'm fun. I promise. But anyway, um, that's all the time we have for today. <laughs> um, next week, um, we're going to watch a fun film. I'm not going to say which one it is, but it's going to be fun. I promise. Um, please follow the podcast on whatever platform you're using. Rate wherever it is available. Of course, they have rating available on Spotify, um, Apple Music. Um, I also recommend Good Pods, Podchaser, Podbean, um, Stitcher, any other podcasting apps that will help you separate your pods from your muse. Ick. Um, and check out the Life Pod Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at film underscore Nikki and send any collab requests, advice, movie recommendations, or general readings to here's looking podcast at gmail.com. That's H E R E S L O O K I N P O D C A S T at gmail.com. Well, thank you for tuning in. Um, I don't know if you're going to listen to these back to back or listen to these two days in a row or listen to these far apart, but whenever you listen to them, uh, if I don't see you, thank you so much. Good afternoon. Good evening. And good night. Cheers. <laughs>